Hey, hey Podnuxians, welcome to Linux for the Rest of Us, episode 243. My name is Door to Door Geek. Uh, we've been doing this show now for about eight years. It's all about Linux for all kinds of people, whether you are a veteran or a newbie. We try to cover all the bases. If you're a huge fan of enterprise type technology, this is not the show for you. Um, this show uh, is uh, brought to you by this week's Patreon supporter, uh, Mike Deem. Thank you very much for the support. You started to support us back in 2017, October. Uh, looks like your pledges might have lapsed, but it doesn't matter. We still thank you for any and all support. And we are again joined this week by Mr. Bruce Patterson. How is everything doing, going, doing Bruce? Doing pretty well. Hey, guess who I talked to the other day? Tell me. The tell Iron me. Man himself, John the Sharknado. Oh, man, I tell you, um, every time I'm able to talk to him, it brings me back to a place and a time kind of thing when everything just seemed simpler, easier, better, and happier. Um and we, when I talked to him last, it was for like over half an hour, which I told him now, I don't expect us to talk again for another three months. So I just ended the call with, I love you. And I'll talk to you maybe this summer. <laughs> it's funny. It's kind of the same thing, except, uh, um, we're committing to a, a music podcast. So look for something like that in the near future, uh, because, uh, we both have a, uh, we're both big metal fans and, uh, Jonathan actually plays in a band. So we had a chance to talk about some of the new equipment we've acquired, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So more to come. That, that's awesome, and I'll say don't hesitate to um, let me help promote such a thing because if anything works in the history of the world, it's peer pressure, and if I can get more people to download and to listen to such a cast, which will then hopefully peer pressure you guys to just keep creating more content that I'm completely on board. Even better yet, I think if anything, given the quarantine and everybody locked in these days, I would like to think that this is also a good opportunity for folks to start discovering, you know, some of the podcasts and some of the newer shows. And, um, you know, you've got a whole network. So I'm hoping those folks are actually seeing an uptick in some of their uh, downloads. Well, I listen to, you know, too many. I've been over this. A lot of podcasts. One of them is called Pod News, and they have reported like an a unbridled surge in downloads. It slowed down and then it dipped a little bit, but overall for the last three weeks, everybody is seeing bigger and better numbers, especially if you fear monger and put the word COVID in the name of your podcast, you're getting extra downloads. Um, unfortunately, we're getting now swamped with even more complete mediocrity in terms of value of content but it is also highlighting the complete incompetence of um enterprise people who are now forced to do podcasts at home and the quality that we've seen out of them has been quite literally something that i've only witnessed like back in 2007 um unfortunately though because they have corporate sponsorship they're going to catch up really quick and do better quality but i'm literally enjoying hearing these in air quotes, professionals being forced to do podcasts from home and literally sounding like something I did from my car, I want to say in 2010. Well, let me go out on a short limb here with a short story, and I'll try to make this whole meandering, mindless thought have some kind of coherence to it. All right, so very quickly, one of the great things about it is that uh, 
I'm I unabashedly love McDonald's. I will go to McDonald's by myself and hamburgers, fries, the whole nine yards. It's I love them and I'll leave it at that. However, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of folks uh, and Jim Gaffigan has a, a comedy bit about this, you know, where, you know, all these people look at you. It's like, Ugh, you mean that I'm better than you? Well, the short of it is this, you know, one of the things that I think really highlights um, as much as you think corporate corporations can steamroll things when the day is done, it's actually the consumer that actually directs the, or, or at least alters the direction a company takes. So for example, one of the things that McDonald's does uh, very well is, you know, their breakfast stuff and, you know, some like something like that. Uh, and whenever something is not taking, they take it off the shelf, they re-engineer it and bring it back. Um, and, you know, they've kowtowed to folks who want lettuce and stuff for their lunches and they made salads. So where I'm going with this is, um, you know, so we have a lot of these tech magazines and articles that highlight the failures of Zoom and, you know, some of these other applications. But, you know, I think one of the things that folks need to do is that you need to take some of these articles, take a breath is essentially what I'm saying, because one of the things that we kept hearing was, oh, Zoom bombing is a thing. You know, Zoom is all insecure. You know, it's everything you could do to rip down an application. They They spoke about it. But one of the things that's really interesting is that the folks over at Zoom are very aware of this, and they have engineers who are actively trying to work out all of the bugs because, quite frankly, before this all happened, all they were was just another option. You had Microsoft Link or Skype, whatever you want to call it, and this was the next generation. And when they were thrust onto the scene, um, you know, the team found themselves in a place they've never been before. Wildly popular, wildly insecure, but widely used. In fact, I know that Harvard University, for example, uses them for all their courses now. And so with just a little bit of tweaking and a little bit of common sense, this is an application that does a fine job. You know, uh, another highlight, too, that I wanted to mention, too, is that there was the Instacart thing that happened over the last couple of weeks, and we've heard it from both sides. You know, customers ripping them off, taking, you know, zero, you know, adjusting tips to zero, and then some of the Instacart shoppers just walking off with the groceries, things like that. Now, Again, this fear-mongering that's going on is less than a percent of the actual bad doings that are going on. So consider that. One last item I want to bring up uh, is Instacart itself. We're using it, uh, and I think what would be useful to a lot of people who aren't aware of this, when you go in there, yes, you see that it's book solid for the next two weeks. But there's a thing that folks don't realize. You actually need to put a little time in, sit on it, put in your shopping cart, put in your how much you're willing to uh, pay the tip, and then refresh your page. Ultimately, somebody's going to pick that up, uh, and that's something I wasn't aware of before. And so, you know, best time to do it, Tuesday morning, because everybody's already done their weekend shopping. And, you know, and tip the people right. You know, I use, I, I use the full 20%. Because they're doing something I don't want to do. And, you know, I've already had a couple of deliveries. And I got to tell you, it's a great service. And, you know, the, the, the takeaway here from this is don't be dicks about it and just do the right thing. Yeah, I'll say I'm a firm believer. I've always, I don't want to say I've always been. I 
feel like I've always been a firm believer in over tipping for, for a couple reasons. One, we're one of the few countries in the world where tipping actually happens. We're also one of the few countries in the world where people can legally get paid less than minimum wage. Okay. I don't know how much the, I don't know how much the Instacart people are getting paid, but I do know this. If they get caught, they're going to lose their car insurance because 99.999% of them are not getting business insurance in their car and they're using it for a business purpose. So because they're taking that risk, number one, because they're literally going into stores and buying things for me, um, I am perfectly okay with tipping more than 20%. Um, the example I use Bruce is uh, uh, Texas Roadhouse is a chain restaurant that has no barbecue yet. It's called Texas Roadhouse, which is kind of like a Swedish restaurant, not having Swedish meatballs, but I digress. Um, I literally gave a hundred percent tip the last three times we went there and picked up their packs. Um, Everywhere I go that I can tip, I've literally been giving 50 to 100% tip every time because I'm still working 40 hours a week. The wife is still working 40 hours a week. We're going to get this in air quotes, free money from the federal government soon that our kids are going to pay for forever. And so I'm going to disperse the wealth. I'm not going to sit here and hoard and buy 300 rolls of toilet paper. I'm not going to sit here and hoard and say this is the end of the world and keep my money close to me. This is the time when humanity should think philip tramp i can't even say the word right philip tramping philanthropic oh, philanthropic thank you philanthropic because that's what made this country in air quotes great okay now i'm going to have a surprise link that i'm going to put in the mumble for bruce and i'm going to put it in the um uh youtube chat as well so if you're watching us on youtube you will see the link this is to a website called humanprogress.org this website is devoted to, in air quotes, good news. Um, now, um, what I will say is that, like this, you will never go to this website and see death counts. You will never go to this website and see how it's the end of the world. You'll never go to this website and see deaths or shootings or floods or whatever. You'll only see good news. This is what we need, me, personally need in April 2020 because right now we are seeing a surge of suicides, home batteries, and child abuse like we've never seen in this country before. We need good information to try to offset all of the crap links that people are sh are sharing on social media. So I encourage people go to humanprogress.org and browse and peruse maybe every day or two. Now, I won't lie they also post videos from i believe it's pronounced johan norberg which i'm very comfortable with my sexuality and i would say he is a very sexy fella who has very short videos on youtube called dead wrong each video is maybe a minute and a half long and every time that man speaks i it's like i'm listening to christ himself talk kind of thing he is so accurate and so intelligent and so on point and so smart about what he says I cannot beg people enough. Go to humanprogress.org and peruse at least every couple of days. Well, you know, on that note, there have also been some uh, uh, folks who have done some really good deeds, too. 
I, I really wish I could like Tyler Perry's movies. <laughs> They're so awful. But, you know, the men paid yes. for, what is it, 73 uh, um, different grocery stores. He took care of uh, all of the seniors uh, during senior hour uh, at 73 different grocery chains. Yeah, and we're going to get to Lennox sooner or later, but I'll say this. What actually made America, yes, I didn't say the A, America, America was people's givings. We give more than any other country that's ever existed, any other civilization that's ever existed. And I have no problem saying I've sent emails to 100 people asking them if there's anybody remotely close to me that needs anything. Let me know. Um, we have like our local school system giving away meals three times a day or, or, or three meals a day for kids because they believe that there are poor kids that aren't able to eat. I could go there and get the meals, be a cheap, you know, SOB and go get the meals. I'm not because again, I'm going to save that for people who need it. I'm giving tips. I'm giving money. I'm trying to give support. I'm trying to give clarity also to other people. Um, which is, dare I say, in line with what I consider to be open source ideals, open source methodologies. It and and without sounding dumb, this is the point in time in history when we're going to become more comfortable with teleworking. But I also believe we're going to have a hidden injection of morals and ethics into communities and peoples and organizations that we're not going to realize is actually happening because. We as people want to always do what we think is the right thing. Well, um, once we're beyond that point and we're all ready to return back to work, that's the other part about it that we're gearing ourselves up for because, um, you know, there are some stark realities that we're looking at. You know, we have a hiring freeze at work. Um, we've already discussed that there'll be no raises in the upcoming year. Uh, and actually working from home might become more of a reality in more of a permanent way because apparently one of the biggest costs to the schools has been the real estate. And the building that we literally just moved into is costing an arm and a leg. And so it's much cheaper for them to keep us at home. They'll do that. And I can't say I don't hate the idea. Well, I'll say this. I have completely mixed feelings about it because perfection is unobtainable for everybody. Um, I, I like you, I don't want to say hinted at, because you said it very directly last episode. When you work from home, you have to be much more insistent about putting barriers up. I used to answer work emails at 2 a.m. if they came in because I, you know, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be nice. I wanted to help people. I've told my uh, supervisor, I've told, actually, I'm orphaned on the org chart. I don't belong to anybody. I'm out there, like, by myself. Um, but I told the people who I talk to who are management that never expect me to respond to anything on non-business hours moving forward because I have to draw a line. In fact, nothing work-related is on any of my personal equipment. Only the purchased equipment from my governmental organization has my communication software on it with them. Nothing else has it on anymore, um, which is healthier, I think, for everybody involved. Um, we have to make our own decisions and our own choices of when to communicate, why to communicate, and how to communicate. Um, and when we take a day off, that doesn't mean we're going to still answer emails. It means we're not. 
And some people have a hard time understanding that. Well, and I agreed because one of the things that um, I got an email from, you know, these auto emails saying, hey, you are now at the absolute limit for vacation days. So starting Monday, I'm on vacation. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, every week, I'll say it like this. Every week I send Bruce a list of, I, I don't know, some number of URLs and descriptions that I always just suggest is this is the kind of thing we can talk about. Um, we sometimes talk them up. There is a couple that I wanted to explicitly talk about. Um, one of them is, uh, it was uh, called Huawei Joins Major U.S.-Based Open Source Patent Protection Consortium, which is a mouthful, called the OIN. Uh, and I'll say OIN is the Open In Initiation Network, which has everybody in it from Google, Facebook, um, uh, big major code contributors, including Linux itself, where what they do is they basically give their patents to this organization for everybody to use to put out in the open. If anybody thinks that anything is purely good or purely evil, I have no problem saying out loud, you are deluded. Okay. There is no absolutes in this world. Everything is a shade of gray. Huawei decided that it would look better. The optics would look better if we would just take this technology and give it away. And in fact, I'll say with all this 5G stuff, um, they actually said that they would be more than willing to basically give away every single 5G patent if it meant people would stop calling them evil and claiming that they're trying to, you know, get into every system in the world kind of thing, because they are so confident in their ability to progress and do different technology just as good as they're doing this 5G technology. Um, they've actually offered it up, and people who think that, you know, they're controlled by the Chinese government, I'm to say this. Every company with enough influence is controlled by whatever country they sit in, a.k.a. If you don't think Google is controlled by the U.S. government, I don't know what to say, except you're deluded. If you don't think Facebook is manipulated by the U.S. government, I don't know what to say. It's just a fact of life. So don't focus on that. Focus on what's actually happening in the real world. And if you don't know about the open initiation, uh, OIN, I beg you to go take a look at it. It's a real thing where real companies are actually giving away patents to the greater collective. Um, and for Huawei to do this kind of thing is just another reason why I am sitting here staring at a Huawei device. My last three devices have been Huawei devices because they're unbelievably affordable and rock solid work like a charm. Um, so the Open Invention Network, OIN, is one of those things I definitely beg people to look at, to uh, you know, evaluate, and just look at once in a while. Because what you'll see is, this is where technology is going. We've said for decades, we believe open source will win. This is open source winning. It's just happening at a very slow, methodical rate, is what I'll say. Well, it's interesting that Microsoft is part of this, and anything Disney, huh, holy cow, that's uh, those are two heavyweights right there. But um, uh, you know, when I think of Huawei, I think of uh, major lawsuits and uh, probably a company that's not so trustworthy. But you know, uh, again, as I don't know too much about phones, I'll just limit my comments to that way. Let's just put it this way: my perception of them is not very good.
Well, I'll say no company is trustworthy. And if somebody thinks a company is trustworthy, again, you're deluding yourself. Uh, people are trustworthy. Companies have to make profits, uh, you know, two completely different things. Um, but I will say having companies like Microsoft, like Facebook, like Google, like Amazon, like all of these companies involved in the OIN, to me, it's proof that we are winning because they have no choice but to take part in this open thing or else they'll be chastised or else they'll be shunned or else they'll be frowned upon kind of thing. Um, we need to take it as a win at the same token. We cannot relent. We have to make sure that we keep pressuring them to do more and more and more because the ultimate win is where all of their code is unbelievably open. And what they actually have to barter on is services, support, and customer respect, because none of them seem to be doing a good job at that. Well, this actually speaks to the uh, comment made earlier about consumers driving the direction of the company, you know, and uh, people want this stuff. They will make sure it succeeds. Absolutely. Um, another link I wanted to bring, um, and I, I'll be, and I'll say it like this. As soon as I saw this link in my feed, the first thing I did was I pinged Tracy Holtz and I sent him this link because I knew he is a he is a powerful consumer of content. And what I mean is if he can download anything and have it locally, he will always shoot for that option. And there used to be a tool called Download Them All. It has it still exists, but its support has literally like dropped off the face of the earth. So I found this one called Down Zem All D O W N Z or Z E M A L L. And what this basically is, it's a standalone thing, Windows, Mac, or Linux, or you can integrate it with your browser. There's tricks to do that where you literally just put a web page in it, hit go, and it looks a lot like the old school download them all thing where you can say, give me every zip file from this page or every audio from this page or every video from this page. The example I'll use is back in the day, you would go to an audiobook page and there would be like literally 20 links, one for each chapter. And you would just load down them all and say, just give me all the MP3s. Um, this to me is one of those invaluable tools that can allow you to own content instead of having to rely on bandwidth or on an internet connection. And there is instances where it does even work with YouTube, where you can put in a YouTube link and download the audio part of it. Um, this is one of those tools that is going to be in my um, repertoire moving forward as long as it works. And I can tell you, I've used it a hell of a lot in the last week, and it works exactly like the old web extension. It just works like butter. Wow, this is phenomenal. Uh, does it allow you? I saw that uh, it has the Opus uh, extension, so it allows you to save as AUG as well. Uh, it depends if you install that. It, if the codec is available on your system via FFmpeg, I'm pretty sure it will allow you to save it as nearly anything. Um, I'll say on one system I have, it only let me do MP3, AUG, AAC, and something else. But on my main rig, it had like three or four more choices. And one of them was Opus. Um, again, if you're in bandwidth constraint areas, aka like you're a trucker, aka the people keeping this nation alive. This is the kind of tool that really can help you own your own content, maintain it, and download it locally. 
<laughs> Phenomenal. Now I know I have a new toy to work with. Yeah, and I'll say this. I don't want to say it's fun, but it's the kind of application that once you start to use, you figure, oh, wait, I can I can go get this and I can go get that and I can download all kinds of this stuff. And it just works, I'll say, like butter is what I'll say. Um, the two more links I want in the notes, Bruce, um, we talked about Admiral Jonathan Nadu, and we talked about the um, Star Trek bridge simulator tool. And I'm saying this slow because I need to. And I'll say it like this. I have not cried or wept or even felt emotion from a movie or a television show maybe in my entire life. I mean, you know, I don't. Uh, I watched Star Trek Picard on my Plex server and I wept like a baby is what I want to say. It hit me. Um, the two links in the notes will be one is to Artemis. Artemis is a spaceship bridge simulator on Steam. Unfortunately, Windows only. So the next link, and I only am bringing that because I believe this was, that was the first one we talked about, which worked on every platform. But then when they got popular, they kept dropping platforms. So another one has came to take its place, and I believe it's called Empty Epsilon, which is a multiplayer spaceship bridge simulator. This is how I'll explain it to everybody. Um, I'm here. Bruce is there. Jonathan is where he's at. Jonathan has no screen, but we connect on like Jitsi or Google Hangouts or Skype or Zoom or whatever the hell you want to connect with. It doesn't matter. Or a phone call. You can literally do a phone conference. And I have my screen in front of me. I could be the tactical officer. Bruce could have the stream screen in front of him. He could be navigation. We can only tell Jonathan, because he's the captain, what we see in our screens. And it's Jonathan's job to tell us what to do. Um, this is one of those silly, stupid, fun games that was designed from the ground up when there's an actual quarantine that's in effect. So I'll say it like this. Anybody out there who wants to like try to play this just let me know. Uh, we'll try to coordinate a time that's friendly to all parties uh, because this is the kind of thing I really would like to at least get a distraction here and there and have some fun. No, you had me going, so I was just listening to you. <laughs> well, and I'll put it like this. It doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look great. But if you just go to Empty Epsilon, uh, if there's a GitHub link. Um, the screenshots, I will tell you this. Open source gaming has grown incredibly in the last couple of years to where I'm not going to say this looks as good or better than Artemis, but I will tell you this, this is the kind of thing that looks really damn good. I don't know what the minimum number of people that are needed to play a game, but there it is. Um, I just had to say that because I would like to pressure Jonathan. They do to uh, joining us for a game or two. Nice. Well, you know, I think one of the things about this, too, is that um, I think uh, probably about three years ago, I actually uh, downloaded Steam and started looking at some of the games that they had there. And, you know, there are a lot of decent first-person shooters and things like that. And, uh, you know, it, it's had plenty of time to develop over the years. And, you know, the games out there, you know, I, I'm a very basic gamer as it is. I'd prefer pinball any day, but... The fact of the matter is, is that that you have options in Linux, and uh, you know it's one of those I say embrace it. Um, I think uh, the time is to revel in what you have. This stuff looks good. It really does, and I'll say I want to say it's called Pinball FX3. Links will not be in the notes because I, I don't. I'm, I'm this is on the fly. I want to say it's called Pinball FX3 
literally right now it's free on Steam. Correction, I believe it's always free on Steam. It was free on the Nintendo Switch. If you want extra tables to play on, it costs money. Money. Um, one of the better pinball simulators is what I'll say. Um, games I've 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 ever played. Um, I enjoy pinball, but. When you enjoy pinball, it means you enjoy a certain amount of frustration, is what I believe. Uh, but I definitely had fun playing it. Nice, nice. <laughs> now, actually, one of the things I was going to sort of segue through too is that um, we were actually working with some of the enterprise stuff. I wanted to actually go back to the Kanban uh, board that you had there because. Um, one of the things I was going to say is that, um, you know, one of the alternates to that is uh, Trello, which, uh, you know, they actually offer a free version of that where you, uh, it's the same thing, a little bit more slick. But, you know, if you're looking for something that's just uh, stripped down and does the job, uh, this Kanban board does a good job as well. Yeah, I'll say all the podcasts I've listened to in the last week and a half, Trello has went ad. Apocalypse. They went ballistically crazy, pushing ads, shoving ads nearly violently down everyone's throat, saying that they're here to help you. Wow, I didn't know that. They are, but they're not. They're out for profit, is what I'll say. Um, Trello started at a really good place, okay? And now I think they've been bought and they've been handed over a couple times. They're still really, really usable software. And they do have a free tier and it does work really good. But I'll say the idea of their of how their software functions. And I don't even know what to call their software. It's like a scrum categorization um, progress type tool. The numbers of software out there that's like it is insane, um, which is good and bad because there's going to be features you want that certain free solutions don't have. There are going to be solutions that you didn't even know you needed that open source solutions will have. There's little doubt in my mind Trello has the best overall functionality and functions, but you got to remember you don't own it. Um, if you insist on owning it, owning the stream, owning the server, owning the data, feeling comfortable putting personal private information into such a system, then you really do need to own it yourself. Canboard, I will say this, it is basic. If you are a basic needer of just focusing on goals and getting goals done um, with minimal documentation, I do think Camboard is a very good solution. No, I no, I totally agree. I think one of the things that uh, right here is my Achilles heel. I'm I'm horribly unorganized. Um, you know, it's just even when there are things that I know I need to do, I still I fail at it mightily. I, I attempt by writing a few things down and taping it to the monitor, but we know where that ends up on the floor, like everything else. So uh, to put something like this and, uh, you know, pin it to your desktop, I think it would be a, a, a good start. Um, and we talked about this before, too. I mean, just everything from trying to organize your exercise routines to, you know, pay, maybe taking a few minutes to learn code, things like that. Um, you know, at this point in my life, I need a little bit more structure and less wasted time, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, one of my favorite television shows, which I don't really watch a lot of television, was Alton Brown's Good Eats, where he swore organization will set you free. And I never doubted him, but it still smells like a hell of a lot of work, so I don't do it. Um, uh, this other link I wanted to share, literally just so it's in my um, um, like feed and stream to where I can 
find it at a later date. Um, I'm sure we've all came across a um, thing that we downloaded and then we went to try to extract it and we found out we don't have the right things installed in order to use that um, um, uh, compression file. Like sometimes I don't have 7-Zip installed and I really don't want to install a complete package just to get this one damn thing opened. Okay. If what you're doing is non-sensitive, you're just downloading a game from the internet or something from the internet. Um, this site actually does work really well. It's called extract.me, uh, I believe. Let me see. Yeah, yes, it, extract.me. And it's a very simple website. You just go there, you upload your pkzip file or whatever file, or you point to a URL that has the file, and it will convert it to a more, in air quotes, friendly format. It works with nearly everything from RAR to uh, PK7-zip, zip and tar-g-zip, and I mean, every other kind of thing in the world. If you don't want to have to install one package for just using one time, this to me was a great solution. Yeah, I think one of the great things I like about our time now is that with bandwidth being as open as it is and as large as it is, there really hasn't been much of a call, but I know the pain of when it comes time to, you know, that miscellaneous file somewhere down the road and you just, yeah, you're right. Without having 7-Zip or something like this, this would really help in a pinch. Yeah, and I just love having these kind of tools available to me because hypothetically, I could be on a, let's just say, less capable computer like a Chromebook to where I just need this damn thing unextracted. Having these kind of tools available to me are just, to me, honestly, gold. Um, Honestly, Bruce, there's still a couple more links I wanted to play with here. Um, One of them, uh, I don't think I have the right URL. What I'll say is I'll try to get this URL for next week. Um, Visual Studio is trying to make a completely online version of their product, a.k.a. turn it into a unbelievably controllable, like stranglehold controllable monthly subscription service. I've tried it at work. It sucks. But there is a website. I want to say it's called Gitpod, G-I-T-P-O-D dot I-O which uh, I played with just a little bit, and I'll just put it like this. What I saw, I was shocked. I was literally shocked at how well everything worked. Um, it basically let me launch. Um, it wasn't Visual Basic. It wasn't VS. Sorry, it was um, um, IDE Eclipse Thea, T-H-E-I-A. It allowed me to launch a full version of Eclipse in a web browser that functioned exactly like the full desktop installation. And if you go to G-I-T-P-I-D, um, oh, sorry, gitpod.io, you can self-host it yourself, which means you can run the lowest powered thing, a Raspberry Pi 1, and you could literally access your local server with this installed, and you can do true development. Um, right from your browser. This is the kind of tool that I'm r- literally like hot about, and I almost can't wait for this kind of thing to become really mature, really full featured. Because you know, in six years, I'm going to retire from my nine to five, and when I do, I think I'm actually going to be doing a fair amount of uh, what I call personal development work, aka 
I want to develop things that I find useful that actually fit a solution that I need. Well, actually, it's funny because for me, it's sort of the same thing. I want to be uh, an active member of uh, the community, in quotes, but I also want to be able to actually tweak and fix the things that need to be fixed. So uh, I, and I know exactly what avenue I'm going down. It's, uh, you know, anything having to do with audio uh mixers the whole nine yards because uh you know that's actually where most of my stuff is leaning towards but it's funny that we're bringing up eclipse because um uh we're actually getting ready to uh um take a python course through work next week and um i was thinking you know if i could find something like this i'd be in good shape and looks like you've already done the footwork for me that door i think your, your vocals went off Sorry about that. Um, I did play with it for just a little bit, just did some very light coding in it. And I'll say IntelliSense is the Microsoft technology, they call it, when you start to type and it intelligently suggests what you should complete it with. That was working really, really surprisingly well. It was, I don't want to say it was like it was installed on my local desktop, but it was nearly like it was installed on my local desktop because people, it's just ASCII characters you're sending back and forth. ASCII characters are like the smallest bits and bytes you can ever imagine in your life. So to get really good performance out of a remote IDE is, I think, very, very possible, even on bandwidth limited connections of like, you know, 20 megabits a second or something. Well, I'm not surprised that the development for these kind of uh, um, frameworks has gotten better because, I mean, let's face it, coding is really about what it's all about today. And the different languages, whether it's uh, Python, uh, now we have some of these more fringy type of uh, uh, programming languages like Rust, which I just heard about not so long ago. And, I mean, there's just there's machine language that we're, we're getting down to now. I mean, boy, I'll tell you, you get lost in all of this. But I do expect, along with uh, the different languages to come along. I, I'm I'm sure there's a programmer out there who's pulling out his hair because it doesn't do the things that he's looking for. And uh, this is one of those that I think is a huge help and in a step in the right direction. Yeah, and I'll say, I, I'll just put it like this. There's more than a couple people I've spoken to virtually and online who said, you know, they just entered the workforce in the last couple of years. And in air quotes, they wouldn't have a job paying as good if they didn't listen to what I said eight to 10 years ago. Like I used to push security. You want a guaranteed big paycheck, get into security. And then it was like automation is a great way to have guaranteed future money. Um, right now, Rust is powerful. It's going to be really powerful here in a couple of years. Um, and the long and the short of it is, Future operating systems, the next generation of operating systems will be written in Rust for a lot of good reasons. Um, but also, if you would like money right now, uh, go take Blitzkrieg courses on COBOL. And unlike some really incompetent newscasters out there or journalists, I'm not going to call it COBOL with, with a T at the end because there is no T at the end. Go learn COBOL because people are dying left and right because they're old who know COBOL and Countries, governments, and banks are starting to pay insane amount of money if you know COBOL. Um, if your goal is money, right now in 2020, April 2020, you learn yourself some COBOL, you are guaranteed to be stinking rich by 2021. Well, actually, New Jersey just put out a, uh, a call for anybody who knows COBOL. In fact, uh, 
that was actually one of the leading headlines yesterday. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, now we do have an email, Bruce. Did you want to go over that one? Oh, yeah, we should have started the show off with it, but better late than never. Oh, I'll take the lead on that. <laughs> uh, so I tried to contact you guys in the past about pine foam, but because of my email, I think my email is considered spam. So I sent the, the questions again. Uh, by the way, the show is great. Thank you. Since you guys set up a mumble server, I assume you guys already know, but just in case, there is a pretty cool list of self-hosted FOSS and privacy-aware respecting programs that you can use at privacytools.io. By the way, it's not he's not a paid shill for, for them or anything. Uh, and speaking of password managers, why not KeePass XC? Do you think Padlock is more secure? Um, I think he was getting me confused with somebody else, but... Uh, talk a lot about must-listen-to podcasts. But to be honest, you guys are the only Linux podcasts that I hear. Are there any interesting, non, no-nonsense, uh, BS, ad-free Linux podcasts that you guys can recommend? If so, do you guys mind sharing? Well, let's see. Oh, and the last question. Do you guys... Uh, have you guys ever heard of uh, Libre open source hardware projects like Libre Boot or Talos Raptor or, or the PowerPC? What are your ideas on them and is there any future for these type of projects? Not for PowerPC. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I kid. I, um, nah, I'm just going to leave the PowerPC one alone. Yeah, what I'll say is... um. Are there any other Linux podcasts that we can suggest? I already have. I mean, I, I try to all the time mention unbelievably quality content like Going Linux, like GNU World Order. Um, like, to be honest, if you want some of the best Linux content that has ever existed, you have to go to archive.org and listen to Linux Reality with Chess Griffin. Even though I was, about, I was about to say exactly that. Yeah, I mean, even though now I want to say it was nearly 12 years ago, maybe, when he did that show, 99.999% of everything he said in that show is true today. Um, And he is, he had, he still does, I'm sure. The charisma comes off as if he's literally speaking to you. I have no problem in saying this. I strive every episode of everything I do to be more like Chess Griffin in his delivery, in his persona, in his mannerisms, in his patience, and in his understanding. And I'm never going to be as good as Chess Griffin. So if you like Lennox Podcast, go to archive.org, Lennox Reality, start with episode one, and then just download at your leisure and enjoy, because it's the best stuff ever. It's kind of like the Monty Python of uh, Linux. You know, it's one of those where the content is timeless. It was relevant then. It's relevant now. And uh, that's the magic of it. Now, some people have, have the, I don't know, maybe even the foresight, but uh, the fact that it's still relevant even today, that's that's surprising. Yeah, um, and I'll say um, KeyPass X, C, KeyPass, it doesn't matter what KeyPass version you're talking about. None of them are in my personal humble opinion secure whatsoever because they all use your clipboard um any application that relies on something publicly addressable by anything installed on the computer anything installed locally has access to the clipboard by default and for a password manager 
doing the most secure thing ever on your computer to rely on such a mechanism, in my humble opinion, is completely ridiculous. Um, uh, if I can tell you, if I was creating a password management solution, the first thing I would do is to create a chain between my application and the receiving application, whether it be a web browser or a individual a application to put the credentials in there without using something like the clipboard for something like key pass in any shape or form to be using the clipboard to me is just an utter ridiculous example of the absolute complete ignorance on what it means to be secure. And I'll just leave it like that. Padlock, as far as I can tell, Padlock does not use the clipboard and the other one, Passman, does not seem to use the clipboard. I, I could be completely wrong, but when I tested them and I reviewed the clipboard logs, I didn't see my credentials. With KeyPassX, every time I installed it, it uses the clipboard. So I will never use it, ever. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I treat uh, passwords like um, I used to with phone numbers. Um, many, when for, for a lot of us kids who grew up without a cell phone, um, there, there was a notion of, you know, you wrote down your friend's phone number and over time you memorized it. I mean, we knew, we knew our neighbor's phone numbers, everything, you know, and at this point, uh, I'm keeping my, my memory sharp by remembering all my passwords to everything. And they're different for, for every application. And it's not as difficult as it would seem on the surface. Uh, and especially if you use these applications every day. Um, you'll always have them, you know, in mind. The only challenge is, you know, maybe the first week of the new year because I change my passwords every year. Well, and I will say, um, short tangent, uh, NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technology in the United States of America, is the organization that tries to evaluate things like passwords. Um, they said a couple months ago to force people to have special characters, to force people to have numbers, to force people to have uppercase and lowercase characters has proven to weaken security substantially because people will always go with the lowest common denominator of just changing the number in a password from zero to one or something like that. And it's true. Uh, they also said forcing password changes on a number of days that have passed has also proven incredibly insecure they say each institution should look at changing passwords when key personnel has changed. Um, also, they say length of password seems to be more valuable than complexity of password. And I absolutely agree with that. Um, I personally use GRC uh, password generator to get 63 character passwords. And honestly, that's what I use as my main password management uh, generator. I have started to use uh, Passman, which is a add-on to NextCloud uh, here in the last couple of weeks, and it's working surprisingly well is what I'll say. Uh, and I do want to highlight privacytools.io. I'm going to do everything to make sure that this link is in the notes. I will say it like this. I've seen plenty of um, uh, websites that say, you know, here's the, um, here is the self-hostable solutions that are available to you none of them look as good as this website so this is definitely going in the queue and going in my back pocket um it also gives like justifications and reasons why people should self-host um which is really good i'll say this is the kind of information i want to share with more people 
So I definitely thank you very much. I believe it's Alphonse. And I'll say I apologize for missing any email. Um, we at Podnuts try to answer every email that comes in, in air quotes, unless you're a stinking troll, then we don't answer. That's just the fact of life. We are under no obligation to do anything. We do everything out of the good graces of our being, and that's it. So, Alphonse, I am really uh, apologetic uh, for missing any emails that you sent us because this honestly had some really good questions. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in terms of some of the podcasts, um, uh, you know, these days uh, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to uh go into too many of them because uh the last one that i've been following is not really tech related at all it's uh mark Marin's podcast and uh you know that can be kind of hit or miss with some of the stuff that he's having uh there's a hockey one called uh spitting chicklets which of course is uh from uh barstool sports um they actually had an interesting one with uh, Sean Avery the other day. But uh, again, you know, these are kind of niche kind of podcasts. So um, those are those are some of the fun ones if you want to, you know, venture out of the realm of tech. But um, uh, you know what? <laughs> We're indoors for the time being. So I'm sure we'll be finding plenty more, you know, in the upcoming episodes. So uh, stay tuned to those. Right. And, and I swear this is coincidental just happenstance it just happened to roll like this um i listen to 155 podcasts at a time that's in my feeds and i gotta say this correctly i don't listen to 155 podcasts there's 155 podcast feeds in my podcatcher some of the podcasts are dead and i literally stay sub sub um subscribe to make sure i don't forget about them or the content is so dang good, I want to make sure that I have it readily available to give to other people. Okay, now for the actual point, I literally launched a podcast the other day. So if I listen to 155 podcasts, if I literally publish one a day, that's six months worth of podcast. And that's what I started to do. And we're going to see how long I can continue on with this. But every day now there's a podcast that's put out and it's nothing but a review of a podcast I listen to. The goal is each episode is less than three minutes. So far, I've been doing fan diddly tastic. I'm going to say keeping it nice and short and brief. Um, but if you want to have a like regurgitation every day, less than three minutes of every podcast I listen to, just go to podnuts.com, P-O-D-N-U-T-Z, and you'll see podcast review, which I just got word today. It's going to be renamed to the revolving door because it makes sense because I'm literally going to have to now nonstop pick up and discard podcasts to keep having new content to talk about. So that's a new podcast that just got launched. If you want to know what I'm listening to, what I think about it as well in a very, very short time frame, that would be your ultimate way to get it. Now, one thing that I want to mention that um, uh, folks may not be aware of. Now, one of the things, one of the sites out there called meetup.com, uh, they actually host a lot of social networks, but uh, the goal here is that they're in the Boston area. There's a, uh, and is your one set up by Microsoft? There's uh, there are Linux ones, the security ones. It doesn't matter. What does matter is this: uh, meetups are now all virtual, uh, at least for the time being. And while they're virtual, 
take advantage of them because there's some major content that's being put out there now. Uh, Microsoft is holding one starting next week. I think there's still at least 30, 40 seats left. Go to meetup, uh, meetup.com, Azure Boston, and starting every day next week, they're going to review Azure. Um, so, and they're one, one to two hours. I think it's like from six o'clock in the evening to eight and they're virtual, uh, on the security front, same thing every Thursday, uh, security weekly, um, Paul Asadorian's podcast, they release a, yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, they also release a, um, a virtual uh, discussion every Thursday on some facet of security. So absolutely take advantage of them while you can, because chances are you're sitting in front of your computer anyway. Yeah. And I'll put it like this to quote Eric Bachman from Silicon Valley. When backed up into a corner, you have no choice, but to just leash out unexplainably wildly. Um, when people in at least this country that I know of are backed into a corner, we innovate to hell and back. We do things that people think are unobtainable, impossible, and yet we do it. Whether it is get to the moon when people said it wasn't possible, uh, or create medicines like to cure diseases that people said were impossible. We have an uncanny ability to do the unthinkable under times of stress. Right now, in April 2020, if you don't have a job, we want to help, but now is the perfect time to invest in yourself. If you have money, it's also the perfect time to invest because things are going to be blowing up here and you'll be making crap tons of money. But it's the perfect time to invest in yourself. And Paul Astor, I met him at like two conferences and I just, you know, chatted with him offhandedly. He had no idea who I was and he shouldn't know who the hell I am. Um, unbelievably nice guy who takes his job ridiculously seriously and takes security maybe as serious as anybody I've ever met in my life. So if he is giving away knowledge, it's the kind of thing where if you at all expect to be in a security minded job in the future and you don't pay him attention, you're literally doing yourself a disservice. I have no problem in saying that. Well, more importantly, I think the the biggest aspect and p- the appeal of Security Weekly and Paul Asadorian is he is the embodiment of community-run stuff. He he has a wiki that is filled with, you want to learn how to run Metasploit? It's right here. You want to learn how to run Netcat? It's right here. Everything he does is above the board and op- he's more open than some of the open source communities I've been a part of. He shares everything. Yeah, and like I'll say... I hesitate suggesting certain types of content. I really hesitate on suggesting certain kinds of things. So I really hope when people hear me say you should listen to Going Linux, you know, you should listen to GNU World Order, you should listen to Paul Asador. I don't say those kinds of things lightly whatsoever. Um, they really do come with a lot of thought and a lot of um, um, uh, investigation, is the way that I'll put it, into each of them. I know a lot more about those three things than I think they're comfortable me knowing is what I'll say. Um, And they're just really good stuff. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I've got nothing more to say about that because uh, it, it's out there, and Paul's stuff is is heads and shoulders above anything else that I've ever seen. And this is one of the few communities where they really have shared as much as they possibly can. Yeah, and I will say this: we're, we're now rounding third. Um, I did hear also from Cody Cooper in the last week, um, uh, former host of this show or co-host of the show. Uh, he is doing pretty good. He is in like the normal American mind frame, working hard, trying to do everything he can to support everyone around him. Uh, so that was another good thing that happened in this last week. Never hesitate to reach out to people who you think might need you or you might need them. Uh, I'll say now is a perfect time too. Uh, before I finish off the show, Bruce, is there anything you wanted to uh, dive into? No, no, we've covered just about everything. Okay, one thing I will say I'm going to do different moving forward is every Saturday we do this show live. We try to do it live around 9.30 New York time. If you want to partake in it and join the live chat, all you have to do is follow us on YouTube, follow us on Discord, IRC, a bunch of different things, whatever, or just you know contact me directly, and I'll make sure you get the link when we go live. But I'm going to do one thing different. Every single link I send to Bruce, I'm going to put in the show notes because here's the logic. If you out there peruse these notes and you say, wait a minute, this is something you absolutely should have talked about, then it'll be a great way for you to do so. Uh, So I'm going to have more things in the notes, I'll say, than ever before, uh, which I don't mind doing. I'll also say again, thank you to Alphonse from Indonesia for the email. Um, If you're from a first world country, you... Your email is on a lower rung than anybody else in the world because we here in the first world are using Linux out of a luxury. Okay, People everywhere else use Linux, I believe, more out of a necessity than us or and just to be more private and protective of their own data, not trusting their government. Because I'll say this, it doesn't matter what country you live in. If you implicitly 100% trust your government, you are completely and utterly deluded and polluted, period. The whole point of, at least here in the United States, was to not trust your government and to make sure that they know we're watching them as much as they're watching us. Um, Never forget, you can send us a voicemail at 7076podnut. You can send us an email at podcast at linuxfortherestofus.com. You can join us on services like Discord. You can join us on services like IRC that have been around since the 70s. Um, and never forget, this show is not just for the experts. This show is not just for the people who are just learning about Linux, a.k.a. the newbie and the veteran alike. But Linux is for everybody, the rest of us, in between uh, all of those other solutions. And I'll say it again. I thank everyone for the downloads. I thank everyone for subscribing. I thank everyone for their communications. And I will definitely talk to everyone again real soon. I'll talk to you later, Bruce. Take care, Dora.